Hello and welcome to the Morning Skate Podcast. I am Matt Moody, joined by not DJ Mitchell. DJ's uh, out on the West Coast, you know, having a grand old time, drinking beer, winning underdog slips, uh, doing whatever else. For this Tuesday special slate, we're bringing in Ben Benwell. Ben, how you doing? And thank you for joining me. I'm doing good. Thank you for letting me uh, hop on here and fill in talking hockey. Uh, I heard you on the last podcast, heard you were going to go solo. So I crashed and uh, you were gracious to let me come on. And um, hopefully we can uh, win some money tonight. I've got a big, big 360 on DK. So, yes, uh, absolutely. It's uh, let's see. I, I think I picked up three tickets on Sunday on the uh, show or the NFL afternoon slate for the oh, nice. Yeah. For the contest. So that that's nice. I have a couple more. Um, and we'll see. We'll see how Monday night goes before we figure yeah. out how much we're firing at this uh, 100k to first, but certainly a fun contest. Um, but I, I don't want to lose, you know, I don't want to lose the script entirely. But, um, you know, you mentioned I was gracious enough for, for, for me to let you join. And I should say uh, thank you, because God forbid, uh, I do another podcast of me just saying um a ton and writing out <laughs> See, see what I do when there's a solo pod is I literally have like this little notebook here. We just turned off video, but I have like this tiny little notebook that basically I would write down every line that I wanted to make sure I referenced because otherwise if I'm doing this and trying to look through screen to screen, and of course I have all the games on whatever, right. I would get so distracted. There'd be so much silence, but having someone to fill the silence for me means I don't have to do all this prep work. I can just sort of look things up and say, oh, I know I have, you know, Minnesota lines or whatever, and I can yeah. go to reference them while you're talking. So um, not only is it just a, you know, convenient thing to have you reach out, but it's also much appreciated. And uh, as I said, very flattering to think that someone wants to spend an hour of their time talking to me. So um, in any case, though, I'll give, give your give your background because I'm sure yeah. some people are you know, somewhat familiar with you, but others might not be. So um, yeah, I'm going to it. I'll go on the, go out on a limb and say most people probably are not. <laughs> uh, so I used to, I used to write um, for the fake hockey that, you know, it's a now defunct. Uh, it was mostly focused on season long. It was kind of right when DFS was, was coming up. So I worked over there um, and then I did some stuff for Roto grinders and I, uh, it was really kind of got into it with uh, I think, 2018 season where I was doing the NHL grind down and that was my jam. Cause I just, I like to write, I like stats. I like, uh, you know, this was kind of at the beginning of when like really focusing on line matching was coming out. So, um, I was able to kind of incorporate all that and I just had a lot of fun with it. Um, but as tends to happen, uh, real life kind of gets in the way and, uh, kind of had to take a step back but you know like, like we were saying before the show the kids are a little bit older so i got some more independence and and here i am sitting in front of a computer screen at night after doing the same thing all day uh to write up fantasy hockey analytics yeah there's there's truly nothing better i work <laughs> in a market research by by day so i spend all my time basically doing excels and powerpoints for yeah. various clients who can never seem to get enough of my time and yet i still carve <laughs> out time for for this nonsense so um right. you know having like minds is is a it's a very nice feeling um to know that we're not the only ones out there yeah it's the important things in life 
Exactly. Uh, speaking of important things, I think a hundred grand could buy us a lot of important things uh, in the $360 spinorama. Um, this is a very top heavy contest over on DraftKings, uh, 300k prize pool, 33% of which goes to first. Um, you know, I, I, I think I can guess you'll echo me in saying that kind of stinks. Um, fortunately yeah. for the lower stakes crowd, the $15 is 150k with 33% the first. Um, so this is, you know, one of those Ricky Bobby slates where if, if you're not first, you're last. Um, so, yeah. you know, I, I'm not sure if that really impacts how we should be building on this slate, but, you know, at least keep a closer eye on those low owned spots that you think have upside. Um, just sort of off the top before we get into these eight games, uh, any specific thoughts to like the, I don't know, the roster constructions or just the contest pools in general? No, um, you know, I'm a, me personally, I'm a, I'm a one lineup guy. Um, so I, I do like to when that, that the knuckle pucks at the 2000 to first too. So if the 360 is kind of a little too much, uh, you know, that's a nice little single entry um, on the 12, the $12. But, you know, as far as a slate goes, I think there's some spots that look like they're going to be really good. Like, uh, you know, we've got some pretty bad defenses on the on the schedule and some very high powered offenses so uh usually when that happens i like to try and dip down in the favorable matchups to maybe some second or third lines and you know kind of get exposure to the good team or game context while still being able to get some of the higher guns on the other side so uh, probably a pretty standard uh way of looking at it but um you know, that does, like you said, you kind of have to find some of those more under the radar plays to help build out the roster and find some value, which will, you know, come out of maybe a little bit of a lower ownership so you can differentiate in those big contest pools. Yeah, um, absolutely. Just eyeballing some of these uh, Vegas lines. Looks like uh, Carolina is going to have a monster team total. Um, uh, somewhat, I mean, the Islanders will have a decent one. Their game total is a bit lower, but they're pretty significant favorites against the back-to-back -back Coyotes team. Um, and then, of course, we have, you know, the fight in McDavid's. We have McKinnon. So a lot of high-end pieces to uh, spend, you know, spend your salary on as it comes to uh, this tournament. So we'll definitely touch on some cheaper options uh, as we go. Um, so I think, I don't know if you shilled it, but, uh, Ben is at Benwell underscore B on Twitter. Make sure you give him a follow. Um, that'll also be in the description, uh, him and his, uh, WordPress site, which, uh, he, he, he thought he was being uh, modest and saying how many views he got, but you know, I was like, wait a second, I got like almost that many, uh, on my Conor Bedard article. So I'm yeah. fairly certain most of them are my edits when I go in there just to proofread it. So <laughs> Fair enough. Um, but in any case, uh, it's always nice to see other people's opinions on slates. And you certainly, uh, you know, go game by game, very similar to, to my sort of process. So, you know, even though I'm stubborn and, you know, if anyone says something opposite of what I think, I'm not likely to give it a ton of time. Um, it is nice to sort of have that perspective, if only for ownership, you know, or obviously if you're someone who, you know, is just trying to catch up on a slate, having those write-ups is certainly, uh, you know, nice too, and, and a little bit different from a podcast. So be sure to give him a follow and uh, check out his slate previews when he does uh, put them up for us. Um, all right, let's get into things. We have eight games on Tuesday night, starting off with Minnesota at Montreal. Uh, Matt Boldy uh, is out for uh, week to week, it says. So we have some uh, rearrangement done on the Minnesota side. Uh, Montreal without Kirby Doc. So we'll talk about how that goes. Um, Tampa at Buffalo. We're not sure on Stephen Stamkos. He 
was hurt on the back end of a back-to-back. So, like, he didn't play uh, on Sunday or Saturday. I don't know what day Sunday. Was, whatever. Okay. Um, and so we haven't seen a practice with them. And, you know, to this point, it's unclear whether he plays or not. Um, Arizona at the Islanders. Haven't kept an eye on this Arizona game. I don't think there's anything major that we need to discuss uh, that's happening Monday night. Um, and the Islanders are also somewhat scot-free. I think there was some Scott Mayfield uh, nonsense, but you know that's really only matters on the margins here. Edmonton, Nashville, we have some new Edmonton lines because of course we do. Um, some minor power play tweaks in Nashville whatever um elliot winnipeg here we go we get arthur kaliev back uh, he is not slotting in alongside pierre luke dubois and kevin fiala um you know but the dubois revenge game in winnipeg uh sh- should be a lot of interesting angles to take on uh, in this game despite the lack yeah. of new injury information uh colorado at seattle don't think there's anything there um Carolina at San Jose we're still on Svechnikov watch it doesn't seem like he's traveled with the team at all so you know uh unlikely he returns before they return home and for San Jose Michael Gramlin's out I mean oh boy who cares um <laughs> lastly Dallas Vegas Rupe hints the eternal will he won't he uh Vancouver Vancouver Vegas with the Petrangelo uh absence we'll see how long that will last um but a lot of a uh, tiny news information uh, i guess not tiny a lot of medium-sized news and notes i think to, to unpack yeah. unfortunately we didn't get a lot of good information on monday so uh, ben anything off the top as far as how these sort of situations will impact the slate or just anything you want to say before we start into the game by game you know, of those injuries, obviously Boldy is going to have the biggest impact because, you know, we want to attack Montreal in general. Um, and him and Eck, you know, Joel Eck and Eck together on the second line is is always a good um, combination. So taking Boldy away from uh, Joel Erickson Eck, you know, it's going to impact him as well. Stamkos being out, I do like Brandon Hagel when he plays up on the top line and when he gets up onto that top power play. Um, and Stamkos' spot. I mean, Stamkos just doesn't shoot anymore. So, you know, he scores two goals and you don't play him. So the next night you use him and he puts like one shot on goal. And I just, you know, he's just a sniper and not a volume shooter anymore. So for DFS purposes, I, I never seem to wind up using him. Um, so I do like Hagel on the Tampa top line in a, in, a, in a pretty nice matchup in Buffalo. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I echo your thoughts on Stamkos, too, that the sentiment, you know, he's such a good goal scorer because he's such a good goal scorer, not because mm-hmm. he's a volume shooter. So um, it's it's tough. Um, I, based on watching it on uh, on Sunday, I wanted to say Hagel was actually playing in the Kucherov spot and that Kucherov was playing the Stamkos role. I could be off base there, yeah. um, but, you know, some, some minor stuff with their top power play that you know, maybe only I care about. Um, but that was just kind of a strange one because I feel like that actually makes Hagel a better play because like Braden points, not there to just stand around, like he's there to shoot. So, right. um, you know, <laughs> we didn't get many shots though from Tampa to really put a map to it. Um, they, they just got absolutely outclassed at every facet yeah. on, uh, on Sunday. So, you know, maybe better things will come against Buffalo. Um, but you know, certainly some uh, notes there that we'll uh, dig into further. So, uh, starting things off with Minnesota at Montreal. Here's what we know. Uh, we know that 
Matt Boldy is out uh, week to week. You know, the Joel Erickson neck impact is obvious. Um, we saw Marcus Johansson sliding up to the top power play unit. Uh, Marcus Foligno to the power play two. And then they will go 11 and 7 on uh, on Tuesday night here. So that's an obvious bump to a guy like Kirill Kaprizov, 7,700. Um, I, I actually think that there's a case to one-off him as well. You know, it, yeah. I, I oh, don't yeah. feel like you're missing a ton with Zuccarello or Hartman. And then like Erickson X, pretty expensive. And, you know, like, do we really care about 3,400 Kalen Addison? Um, <laughs> I'm not sure. So yeah. any sort of takes on Minnesota here? You know, I... <sighs> When I was putting my notes together um, and I'm trying to parse through them because I tend to just information overload, but, you know, Minnesota almost feels like a trap play to me. Um, you know, they're banged up. They got the one line. I think you, you kind of nailed it with Capra's off as like a one-off play um, or maybe just a pair, but you know, the other thing uh, this part of the season is so tough for DFS purposes because we don't have a large sample for this current year, but we only care about, you know, on a one game basis. Right. So, you know, we know Montreal was absolutely horrible defensively last year. They had the, the fourth highest rate of attempts allowed at five on five. They, they were just, I mean, they were just run over uh, constantly. They, uh, but this year they've been pretty good through, uh, you know, again, just two games. They're only allowing 48 shot attempts um, per 60 minutes at five on five with an expected goal rate, barely over two. So this isn't like a, like an Anaheim or San Jose who we'll talk about later where the, you know, they've, they've actually been playing pretty good defensively where Minnesota's kind of beat up. I don't know. I, I, I don't feel like I need to play Minnesota. Like maybe I would if Boldy was in, I don't know if that makes any, any sense there. Yeah, for it's sure. It's really a good I mean, power play spot is, is, is the thing. But like you said, Joel Erickson Eck is 6,200, but like that's a lot for a one-off for a power play correlation. Yeah, and I guess it also invites the question of like Marcus Johansson because you know 3,800 power play one, maybe there's a chance that he sort of flexes into a role that's a bit more like the Boldy role, where Boldy's obviously a main shooter. Um, so it's at least plausible, I think, um, to, to think that you know Johansson could be in play. Um, but what I like specifically about Kaprizov is that, you know, again, 7,700 and on this slate, I feel like that'll play. Um, you know, you have Robertson and Rantanen uh, right around his price, but it, in much tougher matchups at Vegas, at Seattle, um, respectively. And then at the center position, you have McDavid, McKinnon, you know, they're much more expensive as is Dreisaitl and Kucherov uh, on the wing. Um, and then you get down to like the Tage Thompson, Braden Point, Jack Eichel, like Kaprizov is less than those guys and he's going against Montreal. So like, I don't think yeah. you need to try too hard to think that he's like a top play on the slate per dollar wise. Um, also worth noting is that Montreal is going to be without Kirby doc and, you know, for, for docs, you know, growth and whatever um, he was a main minute eater for them. So even if he wasn't like, you know, even if you think he was not that good or whatever, um, which, you know, I, I tend to disagree. I think he was playing very, very well for them, uh, you know, killing penalties uh, at five on five. He was pretty good defensively, too. Um, I, I do think that there's some argument, though, that like, who are they going to replace it with? I mean, Alex Newhook sliding over the center like we've seen this right. before. It's nothing special. And then you think of, you know, everyone sliding up, you know, up the lineup. Um, 
they're not going to be that good either. So I think that is a pretty huge loss for uh, Montreal. It also sucks for Kirby Doc. I mean, again, he had been playing very well. It seems like his season's over. Uh, torn MCL, torn ACL is the, uh, I think it's the supposed <laughs> diagnosis. It's not officially official, um, but that's a season under right there. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I guess one, I guess that sort of solidifies what we were talking about on the Minnesota side, but uh, anything from Montreal that you like in the, uh, I guess, absence of Doc? We don't have official lines, um, so like any guesses on maybe a possible benefactor from, from that bad injury? I don't know. I mean, like you said, it's pretty thin pulling those guys up from further down the lineup. I mean, uh you know, how much longer are we going to be counting on Brandon Gallagher or Brendan Gallagher to put up, you know, shot bonuses? You know, I just think those days are done. You know, the wild do tend to allow a lot of shots. It's just lower quality stuff. And the, the Habs haven't really done that in, in their system, like they're, you know, a playmaking team. So I don't know that it necessarily sets up too, too well for them. Um, so, you know, I would look to the top line, but the top line hasn't been great, you know, this year either. Cole Caulfield obviously is a scoring threat, you know, again, one of those sniper guys, but, you know, as a, as a line, just to start the year, you know, their, their expected goal rate at five on five is barely over one. So, you know, if, if their top line's not really producing, um, you know, Slavkovsky's look, looked pretty good, but you know, he's going to take a huge impact from doc having, um, coming out of the lineup. So, you know, he might be one of the, the biggest, uh, you know, net losers on that. So, um, you know, with Doc being hurt. So, I don't know. I, I can't get too excited. I mean, yeah, the Wild haven't looked great this year to start, and Marc-Andre Fleury will be in that. So, that does help. But um, I just don't see Montreal putting up a ton um, against the Wild. Yeah, Um the one area that I, so you, you mentioned Slavkovsky and it, it just, I don't know. I can't shake the feeling that like we might be sleeping on this guy and with doc gone, obviously there's a lot of minutes beaten up. It seems like new hook, you know, playing on the second line is going to be the main beneficiary. Maybe he's the guy who touches, you know, 18 minutes now. Um, but Slavkovsky seems to have a decent two-way game. Like if, you know, again, yeah. I don't think Marty St. Louis, the guy who's just looking to only play the veterans or whatever. Um, so there's a chance that Slavkovsky gets work, you know, in, in all five, all three areas, five on five uh, PK power play. Um, and there, there's not a real, there's a decent chance that Slavkovsky does play on the top line at some point this year. Josh, Josh Anderson probably stays there because he had a point last game, blah, blah, blah. Um, but, you know, they've tried RHP there already. We've seen Newhook play there. We've seen, you know, obviously Anderson. Um, so there's there's a lot of uncertainty, I think. Um, and so 3,400 for that, at least an okay way to punt, but not necessarily my favorite. Uh, anything defensively here before we move on to Tampa Buffalo? Um, you know, Mike Matheson has been a, just a absolute machine out there. His price is, is up a little bit, but you know, he's going to play like 25 minutes a night. <laughs> so, uh, you know, he's, he's going to hit the, the combos on, on DK. Um, and if, if, uh, you know, if Montreal is going to come through, I have to think that they're going to get some looks on the power play, you know, so that should benefit him. But, um, you know, that, that's a lot of money on this slate for a not so great matchup. Um, 
but if you know dipping down you know brock faber has been been kind of getting there um again with big minutes at only 3200 um so yeah faber faber's been interesting he's he's a guy that i was like pretty much not waving from a fantasy standpoint um but honestly it's because i didn't see 20 to 25 minutes in his range and right now he's at 21 and 24 and so spurgeon being gone obviously helps out a lot um but he's seemingly played well for the minutes um you know kaylin addison was a guy who i thought could grow into that role just because we've seen it all the time you know young guys don't play much on these contending teams or whatever um so it seemed like it was possible he took that next step based on what we've seen so far it doesn't seem like it it seems like he's just sort of being pigeonholed into this power play one but line three type eric gustafson role and like I'm not playing, you know, I'm not paying 3400 <laughs> for a guy until we see Gustafson like you know ability, even if I believe right. he has it. Um, so yeah, Brock Faber is certainly a guy that um, you know, barring other, uh, I don't see many power play defensemen on this slate sub 4K. We'll talk about one, um, but you know, barring that sort of breaking news, then it seems like it's a perfectly fine way to punt uh, Eddie because he's got a lot of uh, pedigree as a prospect and just like a solid two-way player. So, all right, Tampa at Buffalo. Um, fortunately, there's not as much to cover in this game. There's much less uncertainty. We know that on the Tampa side, if Stamkos were to miss, they would just basically move Hagel up from the second unit to the top unit. Um, like we discussed, you know, there's some flexibility between whether Kucherov's playing the Kucherov role in the power play or if he's sort of uh, distributing from the other side, from the Stamco side. In effect, it doesn't really matter. I think if you're playing Nikita Kucherov here, you're going to want to play Brandon Hagel. Um, I've always been on team point doesn't really matter. Like Kucherov can get there without point, but point can't get there without Kucherov is right. my perspective. Um, so any thoughts on, you know, if you're playing Tampa, how you would do it? Are you stacking a defenseman? Are you paying up for both point and Kudrov? Uh, anything like that crossing your mind at this point? I think if I'm going to Tampa, I'm probably going to the top line. Um, you know, Anthony Sorelli, I, I can't get a good read on him. Um, he did score the other night. Um, but now if if you pull Hagel off that line, um, I don't know, uh, you know, Tanner Janot, he's he's kind of a uh, one of those guys that can contribute um, and kind of drive play a little bit, but just not an upside type play. So if I'm looking at Tampa, I'm probably just going to load up on the top line, just where they have that power play correlation and they get a pretty favorable matchup heading into Buffalo. But it's really the Buffalo side that's more interesting here to me. Okay, um, so before I let you talk about that, um, I would. I think I'm, you know, largely inclined to agree. I think if I'm playing Tampa, I might only limit it to Kudrov and Hagel. I'm not sure I can afford 8K point just given how I want to build my lineups here. Uh, maybe Mixon Paul, but man, uh, his five on five role is next to non-existent. Um, and I don't know if I feel comfortable with Hedman over uh, Sergeyev at this point, despite them being pretty readily playing Hedman over Sergeyev on the top unit. Um, we know that there's many scenarios in which, you know, that flips or Hedman's been on the ice for a minute and he just sits while Sergeyev gets the power play point. So um, I think minis for Tampa are how I would do it. Um, but but talk to me about Buffalo because, you know, I've tried. I really want to be in on the Sabres, but at these prices, I just I, I just don't think I can do it. So so sell me on it. You know, I'm, I'm yeah. a and you know this. 
Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess I, I, I maybe should have said, if, you know, agnostic of price, if I'm just looking at, you know, some of the matchups, Buffalo is one of the first spots that kind of jumped out to me. Uh, you know, number one, Tampa is going to be playing uh, the third game in four nights and they're on the road. So I like that. I like Buffalo being at home. Tampa Bay has just looked awful to start the year. You know, they're underwater at five on five. You know, I think their course C4 percentage is around 48%, something to that effect. But it's been the quality of chances allowed that have not been good. Um, you know, they're, they're like, I think, fourth heading into, you know, before tonight's games get factored in, in terms of expected goals allowed, five on five. We know their goaltending has just been, you know, Jonas Johansson, come on. I mean, he's, a uh, you know, last year he played four games and it was his only sample where he actually posted, you know, an above zero goals saved above expectation. So, um, I think there's just a lot going wrong for Tampa right now and the spot for Buffalo just, it just feels like a, a good home spot. But, you know, that being said, uh, I think they're what slightly over 21,000 to stop, to stack that top line. So that's, yep. that's pretty tough. Yes. And I think that's where you lose me on that. And it's, it's the price just. I don't think it matches the upside on these or like the the expectation on these guys. It, you know, the upside's there. We've seen it many times, but um Tage Thompson cooled down on the power play late last season. Sure doesn't seem like they have a great plan so far. And I know the Islanders and the Rangers are two pretty sound defensive teams. So, you know, there there could be a little bit more to the to the uh, meat left on the bone there. Um, but I'm just not ready to give up my priors that Tampa's a good team. Like, you know, the, the third game of four nights is somewhat interesting. Um, but just having this few, this small of a sample size, um, I'm not ready to throw in the towel yet. You know, talk to me after five or six games when I start running my numbers and I, you know, and I start yeah. seeing the uh, adjusted to opponent baseline and shit like that, that I tend right. to come across. But until then, like, I'm perfectly fine going down with the ship here and just thinking, you know, Tampa's a team that, um, they can give up shots for sure, but historically they've not been terrible at giving up expected goals. Um, and, and I'm just not ready to say that the, the dynasty's dead yet, I guess. And I don't think Buffalo's going to, you know, take the mantle from them. Uh, so we'll see. I would find it very funny if Jonas Johansson came in after, uh, I'm sure you're aware of this, but uh, beat writer for the Sabres when Johansson got, I think, traded to Colorado last season or two seasons ago or whatever tweeted out basically this is the worst goalie I've ever seen in my <laughs> entire life you know I watched every Sabres practice he never made a save he was terrible um so it would just be very funny for him to come back into Buffalo and you know have some 36 saves on 37 yeah. shots or something ridiculous I, like that just to shove it down his throat so I, I retract my uh my optimism on the Sabres I totally missed the narrative street you know uh, right <laughs> yeah well yeah you should have come prepared we're all about the narrative <laughs> streets did you uh, research whose birthday it is or what uh that's right what zodiac sign uh is is of the important I played darcy kemper or? tonight because he had a kid the other day so i was like you know a proud papa moment yeah ah, there you go um yeah well let's see yeah i'm just seeing they ended up beating calgary jesus that's hilarious um they got uh, taken to the woodshed in two periods um but all right uh back on track yeah I think, I mean, Darlene isn't interesting to me at 6,500. I don't think we've seen the best from him. 
Um, and so 6,500 at defense is obviously a luxury. And I think if I can get up to Makar, I'm just doing that. Um, but he's sort of in that awkward range where, yeah, it's a few hundred cheaper for Bouchard, Theodore, Miro, but I trust Dalene a lot more. So um, just, you know, the problem there comes in. If Buffalo is going to be owned, obviously if Dalene does well, it's more than likely Tage and Skinner and Tuck do well. So um, certainly a tertiary consideration for me on the slate and Dalene. All right, Arizona at the Islanders. Um, Arizona, we're seeing Logan Cooley on the top power play. He's already up at 4,700. Um, any thoughts on Logan Cooley so far? I mean, are you like a quote-unquote Cooley guy? Because I've always been on Team <laughs> Hayden when it, when it comes to Arizona. Um, yeah. Which, like, obviously I get they're different players, but um, it's just weird for me to see him at the same price at this point. Yeah, I mean, Cooley looks legit. I mean, it looks like he's going to – He's just going to fit right in, you know, with that in the NHL already. So uh, I think he's got a point tonight or maybe two. So he's, uh, you know, he's, he's definitely going to fit in um, the power, <clears throat> the power play spot, you know, tonight isn't the greatest. I'm a little nervous, you know, Arizona, you know, going back to back heading into, uh, you know, the Islanders, you know, it's not a great spot. It's not a terrible spot. But, um, you know, it's nice to see other options besides just Arizona's top line. I guess I'll put it that way. Um, you know, and that Arizona top line has been extremely good. They will deal with, uh, you know, Pierre Engvall in the, in that Islanders line tonight, you know, the Brock Nelson night, uh, line. So in theory, the matchup should be a little bit better for Cooley, but, uh, it's just not a spot that really jumps out, uh, to me for him tonight. Yeah. So, so, you know, Cooley's in that awkward range where I don't think he's quite cheap enough. Like, I know his, his line mates are pretty cheap, but, you know, Zucker, like, I don't know if I really want to pay 4900 for that guy or, you know, whatever. But looking at the depth in Arizona, I'm actually somewhat intrigued by uh, Matias Michelli and Nick Bukestad. Um, they're playing with Lawson Kraus, who is also like a guy who we know plays a bunch, you know, doesn't do much with it, but 3,900 as the third wheel on the line. Um, Bukes had 2,800, Michelli 3K. Michelli is like the antithesis of a DFS player as far as like we know historically his shot rates aren't great, um, but he did pop off for five against New Jersey. So that right there is you know, okay, like he actually has that in his bag. That's something yep. I didn't expect to see based on his uh, rookie season. Um, but just knowing that there's McDavid and McKinnon lurking on the slate, spending, what is it, maybe seven, eight, eight and a half K for, for three guys. Or I guess it's a little over nine. I can't math, right? You're the accountant. You figure it out. Um, you know, those guys are cheap enough to, I think, where if you really want to play like a stud D with a stud line and just say like these guys ceiling and, you know, I just need pieces to get there. These guys could easily get you 10, 12 a piece, I think, in, in their upside case to, to really sort of help you win the slate. So I will kind of mini flag plant just because they're so cheap. And I think Michelli is such a good playmaker that there's multi-point nights there for, for these guys, you know, Bukestad and Kraus kill penalties. They're on the power play too. Like I, there's ways for them to be involved without just, you know, playing 10 minutes and getting lucky. Like, so um, I feel pretty decent about that spot um, personally. Yeah. And if they can find their way out on the ice against like 
Casey Zizekas and Matt Martin of the world, <laughs> you know, like that's a matchup they're going to dominate. They're just going to be for way sure. too fast for, for the Islanders grinders. Yeah, I like that. Um, yeah, I mean, at the, the top end, I think Sean Dersey's like presence makes the top end guys playable. Like, you know, Keller had a six snipe on uh, Monday night, like dropped to a knee on the power play one timer, like, you know, great stuff there. Um, you know, but 6,500 is pretty expensive for a guy who profiles as a pass first type of player. There shouldn't be a ton of volume in the spot either. So I think if you're playing Arizona, you should be playing, you know, Dersey with any of those top power play guys, just because why are you playing them if Dersey can't get there for his meager salary? Um, but I don't think Dersey's a secret either. Like he was pretty popular Monday night. I'm just not that worried about, yeah. um, you know, I'm not that worried about him beating me, I guess. So like, I'll keep him in mind if I need him, but um, it, really it's the Arizona super cheaps or um, moving on for me. So on the Islanders front, Bo Horvat and Matt Barzell, um, those are the two guys that just have spoken out to me all off season long just sort of wondering like you know what if these guys like find this instant chemistry um fortunately the salaries on guys like palmary and Anders lee are to the point where i don't think you have to consider them at all in this spot mm -hmm. um, but horvat and barzell are two guys i'm highly interested in so do you have any priors when it comes to these two guys um you know we've seen one game they had 11 shots between the two that's pretty good yeah. so uh you know your priors are supported if you have them yeah, I think, no, I think that they're a good, they're going to be a good duo. Um, you know, Barzell wasn't healthy for much of Horvat's uh, tenure last year when he came over, but uh, I think that they've, they've started off on the right foot. Um, being at the prices that they're at, you know, 5,300 for Barzell and 6,100 for Horvat, you know, the, the only thing about them is just the ownership uh, tonight is probably going to be a little bit more than, I'm, than I want to take on an eight game slate. But as far as the matchup goes, I mean, you really can't get a better one. You're getting Arizona back-to-back. -back. Uh, the power play spot is fantastic, right? I mean, Arizona was like the worst power play or penalty-killing team last year. So, I mean, all you know, it's wheels up for a reason. So it just comes down to, you know, how much ownership, you know, do you, do you want to take on? But, you know, even just a little two-man still doesn't hamper you too much um, to get some of the access of some of the other, you know, big names that are playing tonight. Yeah, and I do think Bohorvet at 6K and Barzell at 5,300, something, I don't know, maybe not, but I do feel like they could get a little bit just lost ownership-wise um, just because, you know, everyone's going to want to play Edmonton. Everyone wants to play Colorado. Like, they have the game logs, too, when you click on them. Um, so, like, is the mid-tier going to be where people are building? I'm not sure. Even if they do build through Barzell and Horvat, I don't think many people will be clicking on 5,300 Noah Dobson. Um, and, you know, again, maybe I'm way off base here, and the projection donkeys just want to jam them in, and, you know, we all go uh, hee-hawing our way to a, to a solid victory here. Um, but Dobson is a guy who, based on last year's rates, was actually – uh, downright incredible like he profiled similarly the roman yossi at a per minute basis and you know the problem with dobson is of course he's not getting roman yossi minutes like you know and that's a huge deal when you know you're not blocking a ton of shots you're not playing penalty kill um, but if you want guys who shoot the puck and are connected to possibly lethal power plays in good spots then dobson is your guy 
Um, you know, he doesn't have a, a good performance against Buffalo or anything to base this off of either. So I'm hoping that Dobson gets lost. And if I do end up going to the Islanders, that it's going to be like, a, you know, a three man and that people are just leaving off uh, Dobson off of their Islander stacks. So anything yeah, else? 16, seven for that trio is, is totally, you know, palatable. You can, can easily absorb that. Yep, exactly. That's like right around the average cost per roster spot. So you find a punt or two and you can even get in, you know, a higher option or two. Um, so, all right, Edmonton, uh, we have new Edmonton lines. Uh, and honestly, I need some sort of trumpet or something just because this, uh, this goddamn team is going to be the death of me. Um, Evander Kane, Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl. Yes, they're doing it. They're playing uh, McDavid and Dreisaitl together at 5-on-5. Five five. So followed up with Hyman, R&H, and Warren Fogle. And lastly, Dylan Holloway, McLeod, and Connor Brown. So uh, RIP to the Connor Brown people. Uh, tonight will not be your night. But that leaves us with 9,800 Connor McDavid skating alongside 8,800 Leon Dreisaitl. Um, so, you know, I don't think we need to profess grandstands here, but like when it comes down to it, do you have a lean toward, uh, McDavid or McKinnon as far as like how you want to spend all the way up at the top end of the slate? Uh, I think you really buried the lead here when you're talking about line changes in Edmonton and that's Warren Fogle making his way up the line too. But, uh, <laughs> you know, if I'm looking at the difference between McDavid and McKinnon, um, you know, McKinnon gives you that floor play, right? Because he's just been insane, you know, just generating shots so far this year. And, and obviously he's a superstar. But, you know, the matchup, I don't really like that going into Seattle. Uh, Nashville, they were pretty bad last year. They were, um, you know, among the worst five teams in overall shot attempts allowed, expected goals, and their power, their penalty killing was just not good either. Obviously, Edmonton can bury them on the power play so i think if i'm if i'm picking between mckinnon and mcdavid tonight i'm taking mcdavid okay and uh so so that leaves us with obviously a dry sidle going with him um you know any any listener of the show knows that i'm just largely uh you know oh dry sidle is uh mcdavid you know mcdavid made him and you know I, I i know there's some evidence of the contrary but all that evidence is, also comes alongside the fact that dry is terrible defensively about mcdavid too so it's like yeah but yeah i was pointing to that um but of course in this spot you know you're paying a ton but i don't think you can play mcdavid without dry um it's just so hard for me to see a path where one of them hits their ceiling and the other one doesn't have an okay game like if you want to bet on the perfect parlay go ahead but you're probably better off uh, just sports betting or something um i think the interesting question is evander kane because 5400 we haven't really seen like the evander kane monster shot nights that we you know, have known. And Evander Kane is a little bit older. He's obviously been a bit banged up uh, in his, uh, you know, in his NHL, uh, recent NHL history, I should say. Um, but it is worth pointing out that in four shots, he has that on 10 shot attempts. So, you know, if even a couple of those, you know, go on that instead, then maybe you're getting, you know, a possible shot, uh, shot bonus. You're getting a possible point. And I don't think Evander Kane comes in with nearly as much ownership as McDavid or Dreisaitl, nor should he. Um, but I think that's the way I would play it. Um, but anything else, I mean, you want to talk about Warren Fogel, go ahead. I, <laughs> I personally don't trust it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's obviously too thin of a play for, you know, a slate like this, but, uh, you know, he, 
my thing with Kane is just that we know that his, you know, the archetype around that type of power forward is just not good. And anytime you look at McDavid and Kane together the last couple of years, like their numbers are just McDavid's numbers are dragged down a fair amount by him. And so I think at that, at, at 50, what'd you say it was 50, uh, 54, 5,400. I just want to try and find a way to get, you know, the 700 bucks and just make sure Bouchard is part of that stack. Um, if I have to, you know, kind of pick and choose, um, other than, than that, you know, it leaves a tough spot for some of the other power play guys. And, you know, you know, Zach Hyman is kind of out on his own now with, with Ryan Nugent Hopkins on the second line. I just don't see them generating enough at five on five, um, especially at that price point to really tack them onto a power play stack tonight. So, you know, they're kind of in no man's land for me, but, um, yeah, I do think this is a good power play spot, but I just, you know, that those are some tough prices to work in when McDavid and Kane, uh, Drysaddle are together. Yeah, and, you know, McDavid and Drysaddle are the power play. You're fighting over scraps, over who's going to be the third guy to get a point, basically, um, you know, for 80% of their power play goals or whatever ridiculous number it's at. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm mostly anti-Edmonton, so we'll see what ownership looks like, but I'm inclined to sort of stay away a bit from it um on the Nashville front I'm also sort of just uh very uninterested I suppose um reasonably interesting Luke Evangelista has worked his way onto the top power play unit um now the minutes haven't been there for him he's 4300 so I think you're taking a major leap of faith if he's um you know if you're rostering him for that power play one job um, but Roman Yossi 7,400 always has triple bonus potential where he gets a goal to assist six shots, three blocks, and, you know, just a monster score. Um, he can do that against anyone at any time. Why not old friend Matthias Hacom? Um, you know, so that's, that's in mind. Um, but the Philip Forsberg, you know, Ryan O'Reilly is still obnoxiously expensive. Like just nobody should ever pay that for any reason. Um, and I just think this slate's a little bit too loaded for me to feel great about like Forsberg, EOC, like Minis pairings or trying to mix in Evangelista for a power play stack. Like it's all just a little gross. So um, yeah. other than punting, I think I'm mostly away from this game personally. But anything on Nashville you're looking at? No, I mean, Edmonton's been, you know, the results obviously weren't there against Vancouver, but they've been pretty good. And they were pretty good last year at five on five after they, yeah. you know, brought Ekholm in. So it's not a spot that I'm, you know, chomping at. These aren't the old Oilers, you know, from a couple of years ago where we're just yeah. jamming in game stacks. So, yeah, well, we'll keep an eye on the trade trade uh, trade news. If uh, if Nashville trades for Brock Besser, then maybe we are <laughs> Nashville here. But otherwise, yeah, I think with that Coleman, they're just a fine defensive team, and that just doesn't scream like upside to me from a Nashville perspective. All right, um, LA Winnipeg. Here we go on LA. Um, obviously, their top line uh, remains similar. Uh, Kopitar, Kempe, and uh, Jesus Christ, I almost said Velarde. And uh, Quentin Byfield. Um, Byfield's expensive, but Kempe and Kopitar are oddly affordable for a matchup with Winnipeg. Um, but it gets better because we have uh, we have Pierre-Luc Dubois at 4,800 on the top power play in the narrative revenge spot of the century. Um, you know, this is a guy who basically said, hey, thanks for getting me out of Columbus, but I'm not staying here. You know, I went out. <laughs> so there he goes. Um, paired with 6K Kevin Fiala and uh, still 2.9K Alex Leferriere. Um, 
I mean, super duper cheap. And then we get even cheaper because, hey, uh, guess who's back? Arthur Kelly of the off-season Moinescape podcast hero uh, returns from his two-game suspension and gets slotted in alongside Phil Deneau and Trevor Moore. Um, and so with Kalia's power play role, I think he's a perfectly fine punt at 2,600. We know he's going to shoot when he gets on the ice. Uh, LA traded a lot of their depth in the, you know, in the off season. So like, he's going to have the play. He can't seven minutes a night. And when he's alongside Trevor Moore and Phil Deneau, I think there's at least a chance he cro- encroaches on the 14, 15 minute mark we're looking for. Um, so there's just so many options in LA. Um, you know, th- does Pierre-Luc Dubois stand out above the rest for you? Uh, how are you feeling about LA in this spot? Yeah, I mean, um, I, I I like the Winnipeg side, so we'll get to them in a minute here. But the, the pricing on LA, I think you can't ignore that on a slate like this. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I know that the Jets, uh, you know, they had, was it, two seasons ago, quite possibly the worst penalty killing numbers um, in the league. And then they improved those dramatically last year, but you know, they didn't suddenly become you know, just this lockdown unit when, when on uh, the penalty kill. So I do still think that there's upside in this matchup, um, especially if the pace is high here. And I think this is one of those high pace games, LA plays that style. So uh, you know, when we push the pace a little bit, you start to see some more mistakes. You start to see some more offense going back and forth. So I feel like this is a game that definitely has um, some good high scoring appeal. So, yeah, I think L.A. is, is definitely um, of interest tonight. All right. Um, I was just looking. Uh, I'm, I'm pulling up my natural stat trick little uh, emulator thing that pulls all their numbers so I can filter on my team and whatnot. And I sorted by uh, shot attempts through the first two games and, you know, whatever. Cal Connor, nine and a half through two. Like, yeah, that's pretty good. We know he's going to do that. The next two names, though, actually floored me while you were talking. Laferriere has eight and a half shot attempts per game in his two games that he's played. Quinn Byfield has eight shot attempts per game in the two games that he's played. What is going on here? Am I miss like is actually Quentin Byfield happening? And we're just not seeing it in the game logs because only six of those shots went on net when he had 17 shot attempts over the first two games. Uh, that, that's pretty interesting, I guess. Um so, yeah, I, I don't really know if there's anything for you to even react to there, but uh, just kind of surprising and maybe gives some merit to game stacks here because you're getting value all over the place. Um, and, you know, and that's not mentioning Pierre-Luc Dubois, who's probably one of the best point per dollar plays on the slate, sub $5,000 here. Um, so it's a, talk to me about Winnipeg, though. Are, are you just simply going through the top line or is there other value pieces that you're interested in? You know, if I'm looking at Winnipeg and I was kind of pulling the numbers and I'm like, wow, you know, uh, you know, we know Mark Shifley doesn't shoot and we know Kyle Connor does. Um, Gabe Velarde has fit in pretty well there, obviously, so far to start the season through the first few games. That line's at a 4.2 expected goals for um, per 60, you know, averaging close to 70 shot attempts. Um, so they've really been controlling the play but it's the second line that has really um, jumped out. And they're one of those lines that if, if I can, you know, match them with a higher priced lineup, you know, that's one of those lines that I'm always interested in. Um, you know, Cole Perfetti at 3,200. Um, Nikolai Ehlers is only 4,700 and Nino Niederreiter is only 4,200. So you've got, you know, what, 10 K, um, a little 11, 12 K for, for that line. 
Um, and they've just been electric to start the year. We know Ehlers is a, is a high individual shot producer. We know Nino is a, we know Nino is a, is a good driver of play. So he's just nice player to have on a line. And Perfetti's a young guy who, uh, you know, is a potentially a good playmaker coming down the, the pike. So I really like that line, you know, 83 shot attempts per 60 so far this year in the, in the small sample. So, you know, they're getting it done. Um, and I think that they should avoid that the no line. I think, um, you know, we haven't really seen any, and I, it's, it's been like one game, I think at home. So can't really go too much on that, but I don't see that line, um, you know, getting hard match to the no line or anything like that. So I just, I think that that line is probably my favorite of this game. I just, their, their range of outcomes is wider just because they're not, you know, going to get the same power play time that the top line will. But um, as far as five on five play goes, you know, I think that they're really efficient in their time. And I think that they do have upside for their price. Yeah, the the minutes certainly worry me. Like, uh, you know, we, uh, far be it for me to to tell you that you know Nick Ehlers, uh, you know, constantly projects well, and he just never gets the minutes that anyone wants for him. Um, I'm pretty sure there was. Well, I mean, they were protecting a lead last game, so I suppose that's why Lowry played more than um, than his line, but. Honestly, looking through like what they've done so far is it seems like they're just heaping everything they can onto the top line's plate. And, you know, Gabe Velarde's 4,900. It's only a couple hundred more than Ehlers and a few hundred more than Nino from that. So, like, I think there's enough value that you could work in Kyle Connor and Velarde and Shifley. And if you wanted to game stack things, maybe you could even play like a one-off, um, you know, with those guys and just say like, look, this game is, you know, there's going to be lots of penalties. There's going to be lots of pace or whatever. And, you know, Nino also finds his way into lineups. Um, I don't hate the idea of overstacking here. But relying on the second line alone really worries me just because I'm not sure that's how Winnipeg, you know, like if I want to save money, I think there's cheaper. And if I want to target upside, like I think obviously I want to spend a bit more on the top line. Um, so, you know, uh, we'll see, though. I mean, I'm also expecting optimizers to just churn out Nick Ehlers lineups, especially if what you're saying, you know, they're they're strong play in two games to begin the year in terms of uh territorial like shot quantity and whatnot um like it it just worries me that this sort of gets steamed up and we kind of sit here looking at ourselves like we just spent 11k for this line and got 12 minutes like what are we doing here um so i guess that's why they're they're 12k yeah i suppose what are they actually are they they're like 13k or something again i can't i can't, I can't, yeah. I can't do math today um it's, it's late but all right so anything else there i i don't think there's much else i mean if you're playing winnipeg one consider morrissey but nothing nothing stands out to me otherwise um i wanted to check jordan spence i played 16 minutes against carolina that's better than i expected but mm-hmm. um Maybe you want to see a little bit more from him before I start touting a min salary power play two guys in any spot, let alone a, uh, you know, on this LA team that really doesn't do much from their back end. All right. A few more games, Colorado, Seattle. I mean, we know the drill with Colorado at this point. Are you a Jonathan Juin guy? Um, you know, 
I don't. I guess I'll leave that open ended. Are you a Jonathan Juin guy playing alongside Ranton and McKinnon? Uh, I get the like the narrative behind it, um, you know, where he's got the background with McKinnon and all that. But uh, you know, he's just not somebody I've ever really used uh, in DFS. Kind of in that mold of just doesn't put up the peripherals to kind of give you any kind of a floor. Perfect. Right answer. Okay. Um, otherwise, um, I've seen people being Miles Wood people. Are, are you one of those people that see Miles Wood in any situation and think that's my guy? Uh, you know, n- no. The short answer, okay. no. Long answer Phew, is okay. w- long answer is there's going to be times when Colorado 3 is interesting as long as Ross Colton is centering with him and Thomas Tatar. It's a, it's a good line. Tonight's absolutely not the night, so we don't need to spend any time on it. But, uh, no, cool. Miles Wood is, you know, you, you know, I was okay. pretty thin on my Winnipeg 2 play, so it's even thinner with him. Yeah. And I know this stems mostly from uh from high stake stuff, but like I'm you know, I've I've noticed people playing Miles Wood and I just go like, man, like I get the per minute stuff, but you gotta be able to project minutes onto these guys. And uh, you know, Miles Wood just has never shown that. So um in, in any case though, um I, I think Colorado's somewhat interesting, if only because Arturi Lekkinen is so cheap, like fifty two hundred, um, you know, top power play, of course. Um, and, and I'm just not convinced Ryan Johansson's completely done and dusted. Um, sub 4K for him. I know he's not done much on the score sheet, but it sure doesn't seem like he's a full-on passenger on their power play. Like, obviously, it's going to run through McKinnon, McCarr, Ranson, but um, they, they try those bumper plays, and, you know, I'm just crazy enough to keep trying it until it works. So, like, a mini stack there costs you less than, what, 9K? Mm-hmm. Um, it costs you right about 9K. That kind of works for me, and I know that's really low floor, but if I'm playing, you know, six, seven lineups, I might try and get a piece of it just because, like, paying this much for McKinnon and Ranson and Hurts, but when you can get the best play at Kellen McCart at 7,800 and correlate around him, um, I just think that's, you know, an okay way to go, and I would still have money to pay for, you know, a decent stack alongside that trio, so... I'm at least tossing it around. Um, we'll see how many lineups I actually end up putting in because I think that'll determine whether I wind up on or off of, uh, you know, the Kale McCarr, Lekkanen, Ryan Johansson sort of uh, QT stack. Yeah. Well, I mean, Colorado too has been pretty good to start the year. Um, you know, they've been, been been efficient in their time. And, and like you said, when you can get the the cheap under-owned uh, exposure to somebody like, you know, McCarr, I mean, that's, that's a good play right there, I yeah. think. Yeah, and you know, just from a uh, process standpoint, I think when I'm building lineups, I've always been sort of the pay up for D type player, um, which obviously stems back to like the Eric Carlson, Brent Burns heydays, where like they were just instant money. Um, but this was sort of before the scoring explosion, and McDavid and Matthew sort of took over, like you know, just ran roughshod on everyone. So it's definitely a different playing field, but something in me just really sees Kale McCarr just 7,800 with Yossi Burns, like at above 7K and just thinks like, if, if they're that that high, McCarr should be 10K, you know? Like, it's just one of those things where I think McCarr is so leaps and bounds beyond the, the rest of the field. Um, even, even Yossi, honestly, just because of the offense he's attached to and the usage that he generates himself, that I'm really excited about just sort of trying to play that while he's not as high owned as I think he should be. And I just think this is another one of those spots where Seattle's not going to be a good matchup. 
Um, and I feel really good about Kill My Car. So uh, let's let's move on though, because we were taking a while. Um, yeah. uh, and I know that's largely my fault. So Carolina at San Jose here. Um, Brent Burns revenge spot. Obviously, DraftKings knows that's why they've priced this guy at seventy two hundred. I, I I don't get it. <laughs> um, but there's some oddly high prices on Carolina and then some oddly low ones, I guess is the best way to describe it. Like um, I'm not really sure what like the Brady Shea, Brett Pesci's have to do to get like decent price tags, but like 4,100 for a guy, Brady Shea, who I hate, but all he does is shoot and somehow gets points and scores and block shots too. Um you know, like that's kind of interesting in a spot where Carolina should be peppering shots all day long. Yeah. Um, so like just, just as an example there. And then, you know, on the other side, we see Seth Jarvis, 6,200. It's like, you know, what can we do in this spot? Because Carolina should beat San Jose, but will they condense enough offense to make it worth our while? Yeah, it's always the, you know, we talk about, you know, the minutes for teams like Winnipeg, you know, and stuff like that. And Carolina is the same way. They're just so deep and they just have such a crazy good system that they can just roll their lines out and they don't have to play their studs, you know, big minutes um, all the time. Uh, you know, Tuva Teravine and, you know, his price hasn't come up, um, but, you know, yeah, you want to get in on some of these high upside guys, but, you know, 7,100 for Ajo. You know, is he going to play 21 minutes or is he going to go back down to like the 18, you know, minutes if this game gets out of hand quick? So, yeah, it's it's kind of tough. Um, it feels like Carolina's in a good filler spot. So if you need like one-offs, um, you know, and, and you know, the Teravinans. Um, I don't like Bunting's price at that 5,700. Same thing with Natchez. Um, you know, it's, it's a good matchup. It's a great matchup, but... You know, that's just, mm, I don't know. Yeah, I'll be um, paying close attention to uh, Morning Skate because they did get walloped by Anaheim uh, their last time out. And so we could see, like, actual changes to the lines or to the power plays. Um, like, based on the hockey viz stuff, it looks like uh, Natchez, Ajo, Tara Vinen ended the game together. Um, and so with the old first power play unit being Aho Jarvis bunting with 2D and Burns and D'Angelo. Like I could totally see, you know, Aho Natchez, Teravinen being line one power play one, um, for example. So I'll be keeping a close eye on that because, you know, Teravinen, if he's in a premium role, is probably a decent value as much as I don't really like the player at this stage of his career. Um, he just kind of feels like Jonathan Julian to me, but hey, he scored goals, so maybe he, maybe the role comes with it, and therefore the price tag sort of makes sense. Um, so that's, I guess, the one area that, like, hey, don't rule it out just because there's a lot of unknown that we could have cleared up in Morning Skate. Um, but if we don't get more information, I think I'm out as we sort of have seen them currently constructed on the Carolina side. Um, San Jose. Is there anything here that could convince you to play like a Thomas Bordolo, um, what, Zadina and Hoffman, I think, are his line mates or something along those lines? Is there anything in you that could possibly pull the trigger, having seen what Anaheim did to Carolina the other night? It feels like that's, you know, we missed the boat on it. You know what I mean? Like if you had Anaheim, you you can pay off, but, you know, that that's not going to happen again. Like that was our outlier game. Um, I mean, Carolina's just – 
you know, any, any type of metric you look at, they should absolutely steamroll San Jose here. And, you know, I don't know how much, you know, uh, how to quantify or, or qualify the, the coaching impact, but like, how could a Stanley cup contender just get railroaded by the ducks, you know, and now they get San Jose. Like if there's such thing as a get right matchup, this is it. So I, sure. you know, William Eklund at 2,900, um, you know, he would be somebody that I could maybe throw as a one-off, but geez, that's, I don't know. I just don't like the setup for San Jose here. Yeah. So, so the reason I mentioned that is obviously we need salary on this slate. You know, I've already mentioned the dregs of Arizona, like, uh, yeah. and something about Thomas Bordelow's profile speaks to me, um, especially if no Logan Couture, like he's being asked to, to carry a lot for a team where, you know, they don't really have many options beyond him. Um, and so like, you know, not to say that he's going to play a ton or anything, but it kind of feels like playing with Eklund and Hoffman, like if they need a goal, like those guys uh, should be where they start. Like, um, you know, I, I guess you could tell me Cunin and, you know, uh, what Peterson and Barabanov, like theoretically could be the actual second line. But I feel like in a situation where San Jose is trailing, they might actually get Eklund and Bortolo some more ice time. And obviously Mike Hoffman's never going to be on a defensive uh, deployed. You know, he's never going to be deployed defensively, I should say. Um, and so with, I believe, Eklund and Hoffman both being on the top power play and Bordalo just sort of having a decent prospect profile as far as shot rate and everything is concerned, I think there's multiple paths to that sort of getting you the, again, 10 to 12 points is all you're asking for from each of these guys to pay off. And, and I do think there's somewhat of a path there, even if it's, you know, the quote unquote garbage time or just like one goal um, that's like a nonsense deflection or something. I, I think that's reasonable and maybe better than some of these other garbage spots that that we've uh we've touched on so i'll i'll end the pitch there i I don't think there's much to it but if you're really looking to pay for multiple quality stacks or like again a top one-off d with a top stack um just another option to think about all right let's end things off Okay. Well, thank you. Let's end things off with Dallas and Vegas. Um, Dallas, keep an eye on Rupe Hintz. We really don't know if Rupe Hintz isn't playing. Expect Tyler Sagan to have a much larger role than before. Um, and then for Vegas, I mean, just keep an eye on Alex Petrangelo. Um, doesn't seem like anyone actually benefits from Petrangelo being out. Um, yeah, Shea Theodore played a ton against Anaheim, but that's because he spent a ton of time on the pe- uh, power play. So I'm not sure I can really expect 25 minutes out of Shea Theodore. Uh, if it happens, though, I, I'm all in. So, you know, if somehow we see see this as a persistent trend, I will be far more interested. But paying 6K for Theodore, paying 6K from your high skin and, you know, paying up for these stacks in this matchup feels kind of bad to me. So uh, what are your thoughts yeah. on this game? Yeah, there's really nothing one way or the other that kind of stands out here. I mean, Vegas last year was one of those teams that was really fine with just letting teams take a lot of low quality shots. So, um, I mean, there's that going. I guess you can maybe make an argument for a volume case for Dallas, but, you know, who's going to really do that? I mean, at this point, how much stock are we going to put in Taylor Sagan and, uh, you know, the Jamie Benz of the world? I guess Mason Marchment, you know, those kinds of uh, Wyatt Johnson plays. You know, I can maybe see, but um, yeah, I just don't see it as a high quality matchup for either team here tonight. Yeah, absolutely. And and again, you know, those 
punt plays that you're saying aren't really punt plays. Like Wyatt Johnson's 4,100. Like, you know, there's probably a better argument for him than a Bortolo or, you know, Bukestad that we've been talking about, but you're paying an extra thousand. And that's probably the difference between like a Kucherov and a McDavid, you know? So, so you're not really talking about like those salary savings unless you're thinking about it specifically to your two V2s. Um, but I think in most cases, they're just a little bit too expensive, uh, especially on the Dallas side, to really work out for you. Um, if you want low-quality shots, well, maybe Jamie Benn gets 14 shots because Vegas is like, hey, who can not hurt us? Jamie Benn? Sure, have the puck. You know, it's really it's really tough to, to see a path, though, otherwise. Um, all right, and, and on the Vegas side. Um, oops, sorry. No, I was just gonna say, even even like you know, the you mentioned Dallas guys are are, are expensive. I mean, Jamie Ben's fifty three hundred still. You know, it's like two thousand eighteen yeah. pricing. Yeah, exactly. Um, at least he has a top power play to fall back on if if a fall else fails. Um, so and then on the Vegas side, yeah, it's just a problem. They're so deep that like even the punts of Paul Cotter and Michael Amadio, Brett Howden, they're only playing twelve minutes. So I just don't think you can uh, sign up for that. Um, the one guy I would be okay with really pushing it for is um, Pavel Dorfiev. Uh, he's playing alongside William Carlson, but you know he's thirty two hundred, and it's like, can that seven hundred above the minimum? Like, you know, can that get you something else for a guy who's unlikely to get you more than four and a half DK points? Like, probably. Um, but like as a pure one off, you know, power play two. Carlson's obviously a good playmaker. Um, and Dorfiev is just a decent offensive type guy. Um, so that's one I could see clicking in, especially like on the late slate or something, but probably too thin for, for the main slate. Um, anything on the Vegas end you want to talk about? I don't think I can play Eichel March or so for a combined 15K with a McDavid no. drive. So that'll stare down the barrel. Yeah, definitely not in a, in a you know potentially a low event matchup with with Dallas. Um, right. Yeah, there's just a lot of a lot of no man's land pricing with with these games. All right, so after summarizing these eight games, the pricing is actually pretty decent. So I feel pretty uh, I'm pretty excited about this slate coming up. So uh, let's recap things um, with our top stacks and our guaranteed goals. Um, I'm sure you know, but uh, basically we're picking two stacks, just agnostic of price, sort of two stacks that you're going to be in on on Tuesday night. And then the guaranteed goals, we are picking uh, players that sum up to about 11K. We try to use that as our ceiling um, that will both score goals, you know, preferred one-offs or parts of stacks you didn't otherwise already mention. So uh, do you have a top stack in mind? Yeah, I think... um... Certainly, I think for tournaments, you know, we talked about the awkward pricing and, you know, I think that probably takes the fun out of this, but I just, I have a feeling Buffalo comes through tonight. So I'm going to say Buffalo won. Okay. So uh, here's, here's the question I ask uh, uh, semi-regularly when you're playing Buffalo, you're probably, you're almost certainly playing Tage. Do you value Rasmus Dahlin over one of Tucker Skinner, or are you only playing Dahlin in four-man stacks? I think if I was going to, you know, if, if on a slate like tonight where I want to get somebody else at that type of price point, I might take Tuck off for Dahlin, Um, just because I, oh, cool. I feel like Tuck's at the risk of moving down the lineup more so than, than Skinner if things change mid-game. 
Perfect. My my argument's always that Tuck's less involved than Skinner on the power play. Um, so um, you know, I was I was in the best ball streets with zero percent Alex Tuck, and people are like, Aren't you a Sabres fan? And I'm like, Yeah, <laughs> you know, I, I had a lot of Jeff I Skinner. Yeah, I love Skinner. I mean, I love Tuck too, but yeah, it's just a thing. We're at the price. I just don't think he like uh, you know. I've been betting his under point prop because it's like plus one fifty for no point. It's like <laughs> the Sabres can score eight goals and Tuck wouldn't have a point. I wouldn't be shocked. Like you know, obviously it helps that they haven't scored much at all. But um, in any case, that's exactly what I do when I stack Buffalo. I at least consider dropping Tuck for Dalian because I think Dalian's just a more valuable piece. Um, you know, for my rosters. All right. For my top stack, I want to go with the, uh, I want to go with, uh, I want to pick an LA line, but I don't know which one. Um, I think I'm going to go with Dubois, Fiala, and Leferriere. Um, If only because I trust Dubois a little bit more than Kobatar and I get the narrative angle, Um, you know, but the 500, I, I think it's just enough for me to think Dubois, um, you know, is worth the price. Obviously, Fiala and Kempi are the same price tag. And then uh, Leferriere and uh, Byfield, are, you know, they're both punts. So it saves you a little bit of money. I think they're reasonably similar. And uh, I'm definitely, uh, almost certainly, if I play LA, going to play one of these punt guys with it be it Laferriere, Kaliev, um, you know, Byfield, I guess we talked about, uh, you know, I mentioned he had 19 shot attempts in two games or something so far, something insane like that. So I'm definitely using LA's punts if I go here. I'm not just power play stacking with the first unit. Yeah, no, I think that's a good spot. And like I said, like we talked about that game, I just see that game as, yeah, that's one of those spots that can get out of hand or, uh, you know, can can really put the, some goals on the board tonight. Mm-hmm. All right, your second stack. And for that reason, I'm going to go Winnipeg two. I'm I'm, Winnipeg I'm two. Okay. sticking with my hunches. I like I know I, I'm such a sucker for some of this stuff too. I get wrapped up in the per minute things, but like I can just see like this game going off. Um, you know, oh good lord, Ealers played 11 minutes last game. Yeah, I mean it's. I just feel Was like there- there's. Was there an injury there? Or was that two games ago where he got hurt at the end of the game? I don't know. He's always getting hurt. Who knows? Yeah, and that's the thing with you know him. But I don't know. I just I, just, I like the game environment here. Um, I probably won't find a way to get to Winnipeg 1, um, given some of the other options that are out there tonight. So even if I just grab like a Perfetti and, and Ehlers or, or uh, you know, one of those two combos, maybe not a full line stack, but I really like the setup for this game um you know it just seems like the pace is going to be there and some of the things that that la or sorry that winnipeg line does good really should benefit um from the projection that i'm like i'm thinking that this game is going to go through so i'm looking forward to looking back at this and seeing uh nino niederreiter get eight minutes of ice time and looking (laughs) like a complete fool but uh you know, I just think that in a back and forth game, you know, the, the, that line does things right that should benefit from the pace. For sure. No matter how uh, full of pain you are over uh, Nick Ehlers, there's always a little bit more room for for additional Ehlers pain. And I, I certainly understand uh, the price and whatnot. All right. For my last one, I will go with the Rangers. A uh, little power play stack with our old friends, Bo Horvat, Matt Barzell, and uh, Noah Dobson. You know, just miss me with the... Uh, 
Simon Holmstrom, whatever nonsense. I don't care. Just, just give me the three guys in the power play. Um, they're playing Arizona. I'm not expecting it to be underowned by any stretch, um, but I just think sort of living in the mid range and not like playing a lineup that's basically if you're fading one of McDavid, McKinnon, you know, these studs. Um, I think you might have a chance at just being unique based on that alone. And so taking two sort of middle of the tier stacks um, is certainly a, a line of construction I will be toying around with as I build on Tuesday. So uh, do you have a guaranteed goal in mind to lead us off here? Uh, I'm going to, I feel like I'm going to be stealing one of yours right now, but I had Arturi Lekkanen as a, cool. as, a as one to know. I, I, I just, good. Yeah, I, I mean, you get the power play correlation, um, you know, or that or that exposure there. And, you know, Colorado, too, has been pretty good this year. They've, they've put good numbers together. You know, Ryan Johansson, yeah, maybe he's dust, but it's early in the season and he's keeping up. So, you know, now's the time to kind of leverage that. So, yeah, I think uh, I think Lekkonen's going to do it because uh, the power play spot is where Colorado is going to have the advantage, you know, get away from that Seattle system that doesn't always allow a lot of uh, shot attempt. So yeah, I think that's a good spot for, for Lekin in the Colorado power play. I love it. Um, I, I'm normally also the middle of the range guy who is, uh, you know, I'm picking two guys in the five to six K range while DJs, you know, going ceiling and floor or whatever, as far <laughs> as what you can fit in price wise. However, you know, the Kirill Kaprizov one off at 7,700 is really screaming to me. Um, I feel pretty good about it. Having gone through the slate that, even if he's not like super low owned, I don't think many people will play him as a pure one-off. Like, I just don't think optimizers are going to do that. And so if you're playing like a four-man stack that includes a D-man or, you know, in a two-man stack that also includes a D-man or something, you find some values. I think Caprizov one-off is actually a really good option. Um, we've basically seen the beats say he's going to be playing around the lineup. I love that situation where, you know, his line mates are different every time. So even if he has a three-point night, you're not guaranteeing that Zuccarello or Hartman or Erickson comes with him because, you know, they're not going to be on the ice all the time with him. So um, sort of the old Patrick Kane, if you will, where Patty Kane on Chicago just played with everyone, you know, we triple shifted. Um, And so I like Caprizov at 7,700, you know, he has a ton of upside. Obviously I love the matchup of course. Um, And the minutes that everything sort of makes a lot of sense to me. So using that 7,700 leaves us in very different price ranges. Um, uh, do you have a sort of 6K-ish option that you were looking to for your second guarantee goal? Yeah, I do. And it's actually from the same game. And I had Joel Erickson Eck. I don't think it's a ceiling spot for him. I don't think I'm going to run out to play him uh, just because Boldy's not on his wing anymore. And, and I just don't think it's a great, you know, he's, he's not a ceiling play so much tonight, but you know, where he's going to make his hay is, you know, he's now in center of the ice with uh, some depth issues for Montreal and he's going to get on that top power play unit and Montreal's penalty killing has just been horrendous. So, you know, he's got still like you were talking about with Kavers off, like there's still exposure in a, in a very good spot here. Um, and I just like the, you know, the peripherals that uh, Joel Erickson Eck puts up. So we know he's going to shoot um, in a matchup like this. So I think, uh, you know, it, it's kind of an awkward spot where I'm not jamming him in tonight, um, but I can see Eric Sinek coming through tonight. 
Yeah, absolutely. And we don't know what their power play really looks like without Boldy, who, you know, sucks in a lot of the volume, takes a lot of the attempts for himself, and is the one getting set up a lot. So if Erickson could find the soft spots, he could certainly be, you know, he's actually the Braden point where, you know, he's taking a ton of shots himself and is actually sort of the primary target on the power play versus one of these secondary options. So um, I'm going to take a punty option. Um, you know, I have 30. 300 or so of course so i'm going to use uh 2.8k um on nick bukestad uh 2100 oh, nice. I, I talked about the arizona line uh with matthias michelli uh, michelli is clearly the passer you know lawson kraus is a decent player i think that you get the minutes um and over the first two games nick bukestad has nine shot attempts you know it's not breaking you know it's not breaking any records but it's pretty solid and a price i'm more than comfortable to pay on a player who's done this historically, like his career numbers are perfectly fine. And if he's getting 15, 16 minutes a night for this Arizona club, like they're not likely to be super high profitable, but there's also a decent chance he gets me, you know, seven, eight, potentially gets up into the bonus and a point or something, you know, with this line. I at least can see the paths to both a decent floor and a solid ceiling for 2800 Nick Bukestad. So I will take that. So, um, once again, I do want to thank you for uh, joining me here. This was a lot of fun. Uh, we should do this again soon. Uh, but again, sure. remind us, where should we follow you? You know, what, what else can we check out from you? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter. It's uh, Benwell underscore B. Um, I'm on Blue Sky too, you know, to, to get out of the cesspool of, of X. Um, <laughs> just not all that active over there right now. And um, yeah, if you follow on there, you can find my links. I'll uh, I post stuff as time allows to my my WordPress site there. Confusing use of time, so I like to just do some some slate overviews and throw a lot of numbers and words at you. It's a good thing to to read when you got your coffee in the morning or something to that effect. So a lot of fun. Absolutely, uh, definitely worth a follow and uh, check out those slate previews uh, for sure. Uh, when you, I mean, I have not seen Blue Sky. I've not been on it, but uh, once you see hockey beat writers on Blue Sky tweeting, let me know because that's the only reason <laughs> I use Twitter these days. So, uh, um, you know, hopefully we transition away from Elon and into something that actually works. So, yeah. Um, all right, so let's get out of here. Um, follow the podcast at Morning Skate Pod. I am at fake moods. Um, of course, you know, DJ's on vacation. He's still tweeting hockey stuff. I think he retweeted lines earlier today. So, you know, you can put the boy on vacation, but he'll still keep tweeting. Uh, so follow him too at DJ underscore Mitchell 94. Um, and that'll do it. So if you missed it this weekend, I posted a uh, newsletter article about Connor Bedard and his uh, unprecedented start to his career. I found it pretty interesting to go back and try to, you know, hack the data to figure out like, what players' first two NHL games looked like and how they stacked up to Conor Bedard's. And, uh, you know, needless to say, Conor Bedard uh, stood out above the rest. Uh, just an incredible, incredible debut as far as shot attempts and everything we look for in fantasy. So if you missed that, check it out. You can see the link on my Twitter to my newsletter. Um, and with that said, Ben, once again, thank you so much for joining us. From Doug, from DJ, from Ben, and from myself, have a good slate, everybody, and we will see you.